Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Fat's not here today, and neither is Kara. It's just me and a special guest, Molly. Say hello, Molly. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about two movies, Smokey and the Bandit and White Lightning. Both Bo Reynolds and both Moonshine. All right, so I, if I remember correctly, Molly, you had never seen either one of these before, right? I think I had seen Smokey and the Bandit once, but like almost 10 years ago, so basically, yes. <laughs> and I'm guessing you'd never heard of White Lightning. Nope. Yeah, I only knew about it because of Tarantino name-dropping it in um, Death Proof. Ah, I don't think I've seen Death Proof either. Death Proof is good. Um, I like White Lightning a little bit better. <laughs> I like Smoking um, the Bandit a little bit better, so uh, we're right. we're a good pair here. Um, the interesting uh, thing, besides Bo Reynolds being in both of them, is the director of Smoking the Bandit, Hal Needham, is the second unit director in the other movie we're talking about, White Lightning. Oh, that's interesting. Which is directed by Joseph uh, Sargent. All right, so Smokey and the Bandit is 1977, and White uh, Lightning is 1973. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one did you want to talk about first? Um, I can go in either order, honestly. I, I don't... They're so weirdly similar, but different at the same time. Right. We're gonna, we'll we'll, we'll start order. off with uh, White Lightning, 1973. Okay. So Directed by Joseph Star- uh, Sargent and written by William Norton. Bill Reynolds, Jennifer Billingsley, and Ned Beatty as a despicable sheriff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, White Lightning is a movie basically about a moonshine runner played by Bill Reynolds with one of my favorite uh, Bill Reynolds character names, Gator McCluxy. <laughs> <laughs> Which causes characters throughout the movie to constantly go, Gator! <laughs> Yep, that was always fun. Um, basically, he tries to break out of jail, but doesn't because he finds out his younger brother has been murdered by the crooked sheriff of Brogan County, Ned Beatty, Sheriff J.C. Connors, more than likely an allusion to Bull Con- Sheriff Bull Connors, who was an actual racist jackass who was a sheriff mm. with the civil rights movement. And... Basically, he get he ends up signing up with the feds in order to take down Connors, and basically, the movie follows him as he tries to insinuate himself into the local moonshine running campaign or adventures, as you will, and basically meets out revenge. But along the way, the movie's kind of what I would like to call the slow moral awakening of Gator. I can get behind that. Yeah, definitely. Also, there's a character named Dude. <laughs> there's always a character named Dude. <laughs> Played by Matt Clark, who a wonderful character actor. Um, so, what did you think of this? Okay, so first off, this movie's freaking weird. It is? And like, I kind of love it. <laughs> but I think my weird may have been different from your weird. Okay. Because, like, I'm not talking, because, like, the last time... I was on here and it was just the two of us. You know, we were talking about Book of Henry and Collateral (laughs) Beauty. And it's not that kind of weird. Right. But it's young Burt Reynolds without a mustache playing a very serious, grim, angry character. 
And it's just like, this is, this not is not the Reynolds you're used to. I, no, like, I was introduced to Burt Reynolds through the game Saints Row the Third. <laughs> uh, you know about that game? Yes, I only know of that game because when everything, everywhere, all at once came out, uh-huh. uh, the dildo scene came up. And I heard a lot of younger people talk, I like, that's Saints Row 3. <laughs> and I was so, like, what? <laughs> so in Saints Row th- 3, um, you wa- um, you wind up uh, meeting Burt Reynolds, who is <laughs> the mayor of not New York in the Saints Row universe. And he uh, tasks you to go to an island and, c- and kill a bunch of zombies for him. And that is um, wow. Uh, yes, that is my introduction. You, you're a hardened gang boss leader, player character walks uh, walks in to meet the mayor and is like, "Holy shit, Burt Reynolds! <laughs> I am such a huge fan." <laughs> okay, I love that. This would be later be topped by Saints Row Four, where your hardened gang boss leader becomes the president of the United States. Uh, and uh, makes uh, Keith David their vice president. Oh, that's that's a smart move. And then the two of you, and then you guys get trapped in a in the Matrix by aliens, where you meet Rowdy Roddy Piper, who uh, oh, of helps course. Uh, Keith David. So here's my question: Does Burt Reynolds actually do the voice of Burt Reynolds? Yes. Nice. It was like one of the last things he did. Awesome. Hmm. But uh, yeah, so that was my so that's the kind of tone I'm expecting from a Burt Reynolds presence. Well, you you bring up a very interesting point because one of the things that's sort of like I shouldn't say shocking, but sort of like takes you off guard about this movie is how very moody Burt Reynolds Gator is, mm-hmm. and how very almost considered and sort of like withdrawn the attitude of the movie is in terms of like how it deals with the people of the South. Oh yeah. It's very much. These are messy people with messy politics. And when they, the things they say will either be like, well, yeah, that's of course. And then other times they're like, Oh my God, that's racist or homophobic. Oh yes. Um, But also like very much it's back from an era when anti-authoritarianism was what you normally saw in movies. Mm-hmm. And this movie, and as with Smoking the Bandit, there's a very healthy dose of anti-authoritarianism because Gator is working with the federal government just to get revenge. He's not mm-hmm. really wanting to work with the feds, and there's no love for cops in this movie. Oh no! Like when when uh, he says that he's bringing down a bunch of criminal, he's going at working with the federal government to bring down a criminal. It was like, but what about all these other criminals? Like, no, no, I'm not touching them. Just this one guy. And just for personal reasons. Right. Well, there's even a moment towards the end when he finds out how his brother died. Mm-hmm. Because his brother was killed by the sheriff because his brother was, quote-unquote, protesting. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing in 1973 protesting in the South is protesting for civil rights. It's never outright said, but it's heavily implied. Yeah. And all, you know, you're, all, you're that or you're protesting against Vietnam, which to most people at that time, conservative-wise, it's the same thing. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. he wasn't, quote, unquote, a, 
a hippie, which the Reynolds character has said multiple times he doesn't like, but then when he finds out his brother's a hippie, all of a sudden he's like, I'm confused. Uh-huh. But when he finds out he's protesting, he has a line of, what is it a protest in Brogan County? Uh-huh. And it's the realization that he, even though he seems to be treating black people and other POC with respect, more so than other characters in the movie, and in fact, um, Sergeant goes out of his way to visually show you that Reynolds that's very much sees the black people in the background, whereas um, let's see, his uh, partner, Dude, and the others, uh, Bear, Big Bear and all, ignore and or don't even like acknowledge that they're there. Oh yeah. Um, but it's very much that the politics of the time is baked into the background of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's definitely a strength the film has. Right, and also like there's a great sadness to the movie. Yeah, especially it, like when dealing with the the poor, mm-hmm. the way the like Gator's parents are like, "Oh, good, you're back." Oh, god, mm-hmm. please don't get into trouble. We've already lost one son. You're gonna help me plant the crops, and like in the next breath, he's like, "Where are you going?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, 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 as someone who's living in Florida, it, it feels like the South in a very strong and specific way. Right. Like, it feels like the South that is lived in. Mm-hmm. And not the South that is... There are character moments, mm-hmm. but it's not, like, a character depiction. At the same time, this is from a time of cinema when they make you feel sweat. Oh, yes. They really, really do. <laughs> they Like, you, you spend the whole movie like, why does anyone live in this part of the world? <laughs> Why do I live here? <laughs> um, very curious. Did you think the? How will you? Uh, how did you feel about the ending? I was all right with it. I, I didn't have a particularly strong opinion on it. It was fine. Okay. Um, I love the sixties and seventies. One of the reasons because they end movies weirdly. Uh huh. And White Lightning ends with. The sheriff dying abruptly. Oh, yes. And then there's a big funeral, and the gator looking on, and, like, the good die young, don't they? And then he just walks away with the federal agent, presumably back to prison, I'm guessing. Uh-huh. We should... But, like, he okay. watches the sheriff drown. It's spectacular. <laughs> yeah. There's a few more weird things about the movie that I want to talk about, just real qu- quick. Okay, take your time. One is how the sheriff kills the brother. <laughs> the way they open the movie. Yeah, just... so we, yeah, so the movie opens with the execution, which in and of itself is interesting. I mean, that's that's a, that sets your tone right there. Right. And it's jarring for a Burt Reynolds movie. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, we ain't in the uh, best little whorehouse anymore, Toto. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or actually, I think that movie was after this, so we're not in it yet, Toto. <laughs> but um, it's fine. Time is a flat circle. Fair, fair. But uh, the sher- what the sheriff does is tie his brother and uh, one of his brother's friends up in a boat, and then he shoots the boat. Ties him to a cinder block. Yes. Like you, you have a gun. 
Just shoot them. <laughs> this right, is but a, like, like you're not even staying to watch. You're right. just being a dick about it. It's like it's the true evilness of his character. Yeah, like, it's just like it's like the, it fits the character, but it's so James Bondian for an <laughs> for an Alabama sheriff that it's just like just shoot him. Just well, shoot also, him. It shows the absolute sort of like mendacity of the corrupt law enforcement in that area of it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. It's like the once they've killed they're not getting away. No one does. They are the law to the point where like when the federal government tries to do something like who are they to tell me how to run my, my fiefdom? Oh yes. Another interesting thing is that this is one of the this is a uh, you know a criminal who is a mostly decent person gets dragged out of jail by the federal government and to go stop the worst criminal movie. But in this one, the criminal calls out the federal government. Like usually <laughs> the FBI or whoever shows up at the cell and there's like a, a talk, but here's like, hey, someone give me the federal government. I want to help them out. Also, I, this I com- use them. This moment comes right after one of my favorite jail breakouts. Because he just hops over the fence. Uh-huh. He's running. And this runs into the warden. He's like, where the hell are you going, Gator? Yeah, that, that line was great. I didn't really <laughs> like the jailbreak, but I liked that end. Like Honestly, that end is why I love the jailbreak. <laughs> that end was great. It's just... Okay, so we need to talk about this. This is 1973 movie. So this is 1973 action and framing, right? So like, like I, I obviously I'm not ex- I know not to expect modern, but like watching this movie, you really understand why Star Wars takes off pretty soon. <laughs> like everything is like, and it also helps you understand. Like, have you ever seen the film version of The Wiz? A long time ago. So in that one. Like that came out around the same time as here, and it's always had this puzzling thing to me where like every shot is a zoomed out wide shot, right just everything, like even like the dance scenes like like you're watching them dance from behind and at a great distance, right, and then you watch this, you're like, oh, that was just movies <laughs> was whiz, that was just movies, they wanted to show you the action. <laughs> The action is people running, or punch, punch, done. That is the fight scene. Well, I like that because real people don't know kung fu. Oh, absolutely! Like I, I get where it's coming from. It's just like I, I, I'm not asking for him to pull out. Uh, I'm not asking for him to pull out Bruce Lee or Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow. It just needs to be acknowledged that these are not like entertaining to watch fist fights. Oh, I, I disagree. Watching two drunk guys flail about as they try to, like, in some manner of speaking, like, demonstrate some form of masculinity is hilarious because they are failing badly. It is okay. the dumbest. <laughs> Those are fun. I'm talking about, like, when uh, Gator at the start of the movie, like, uh, cold cocks the uh, 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 guard after finding out his brother died right before he goes to <laughs> escape. Like, just punch, punch. We are done with this fight. Run time. I I do love the he punches um, oh he punches dude in the gut, mm-hmm. and like it affects him in a way that like if you get punched in the gut, you don't walk that off immediately. <laughs> oh yeah, like that was 
that was the scene where that like most threw me up. Like, I mean, I'd had a lot of like, that's Burt Reynolds. That's not Burt Reynolds. <laughs> Burt Reynolds isn't Gator. Someone else is Gator. Burt Reynolds is a side character. No, that is Burt Reynolds. What the hell? But that was the most. That's not Burt Reynolds <laughs> moment where he just rat where he just like a guy calls him a stool pigeon and he just punches him in the gut. And then just sort of stares at them for a second. I'm like, this is not how Burt Reynolds punches people in the gut. This is not what happens when that guy, when this man punches people in the gut. All right. Um, the car chase sequences I really enjoyed. Car chases are good. They are, uh, again, they are 70s car, early 70s car chases. Everything's kind of zoomed out. Nothing's as fast as you kind of want it to be. But I not. disagree on that in the sense that it's zoomed out so you can actually see the car moving. And there's that. That is true. Like they're not bad. Like they're well choreographed car chases. And like like they're just like, you know, like an audience used to car chase in the form of Fast and the Furious is might need to lo- uh, reset their expectations. Right, but also Fast and the Furious car chasings are Fast and the Furious car chasings. Yes. I'm, like that, but that's just this is car chase scenes in the 70s. That is modern car chase scenes. If you haven't seen this, you might need to recalibrate your expectations for different era, different technology, and different uh, audience Moods. expectations. Um... Did you have any other thoughts on it? Music was kind of weird. Like, well, that's music, also the seventies. The music fits the setting. I don't know that it fits the tone. It's a lot of banjos. A lot of banjos. A lot of mouth hype. Oh yes, like, it very much fits the setting, but I don't think it fits the tone of the movie. That's also like a weird thing of the decade because um, there's a Sydney Poitier film, uh, "Buck and the Preacher." Man, do they go to town with that kind of soundtrack. Hmm. And I'm just like, I don't, okay, I guess this is just something we're doing. Like it works in Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, like, Smokey and the Bandit also has, um, oh, what is Jerry Lee? Uh, something like that. Maybe on the soundtrack. Just, and they call him the East, Bandit. Eastbound and down. Yeah, uh, Jerry, Jerry Reed. Reed. Yeah, it's just like White Lightning has, instead of Jerry Reed, has John Stedman. (laughs) (laughs) Just a weird choice for a gritty revenge movie. It is, and I'm like, like, overall, did you enjoy it, or was it just one of the things, like, you probably won't be watching it again? I don't see myself watching it again, but if I had a friend who wanted to see it or who just wanted to see a Burt Reynolds movie, I wouldn't be opposed to throwing it on. Right. I, 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 it was fine. It was a good way to kill no time. I enjoyed parts of it. Uh, I have no oh, uh, urge to go out and buy a physical version of it or anything. Okay. I think it says something that I found multiple ways to watch White Lightning for free online. And no legal way to do the same for Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> it does say something. Uh, one is a more. Uh, it's also one of the things where movies 
don't always survive time and technology changes. Uh-huh. And also, Bo Reynolds, um, a lot of people don't realize, he had a very lengthy movie career. Oh, yes. Like, I... he... Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I said, I, do... I was going to say, I don't think White Lightning survived Burt Reynolds' movie career. Like... It, it, it didn't, and yes, it did. Because in a way, like, it's one of those, if you're a Burt Reynolds diehard fan, you know White Lightning. Uh-huh. If you're not a Burt Reynolds like person, you probably haven't heard of White Lightning unless you were around when White Lightning came out. It's well, also I'm... like as far as car chase movies of the seventies, it's like in definitely in the top fifty. That's fair. What I more meant by that was like, well, you heard how often, how frequently my my comment was: this doesn't feel like a Burt Reynolds movie. Right. <laughs> like it has. Like, I'm not saying like that, like it's been buried by Burt Reynolds' better works or anything. I'm saying like Burt Reynolds would later, either through typecasting or choices, wind up creating a very specific tone and expectation for his films that uh, White Lightning counters. Well, yes, also like towards the end, uh, there was a time when Burt Reynolds was basically like, yeah, I made the movies for the wrong reasons for the paycheck just to help out a friend. And, like, even for Cannonball Run, which Hal Needham also did, mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. The critics were right to be mad at me for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and then he made the second one, so it's not like he... <laughs> but Bo Reynolds, like, the the popular conception of Bo Reynolds is very much of Smokey and the Band and Cannonball Run of, like, these are cheesy movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of Smokey and the Bandit, I don't think we can talk about Smokey and the Bandit without acknowledging the terrible time it came out in. <laughs> like, two days before A New Hope. Yeah, well, so, would you believe there's a movie that came out um, the same weekend as Star Wars that got obliterated and was almost as expensive and expensive in filming that almost no one had heard of? Oh, what was that? Um, Sorcerer, directed by William Freakin, hmm. starring Roy Schneider, filmed on seven continents. Wow. It is, it got blown away by Star Wars, as every movie did, and then international copyright fell through, followed by domestic copyright, and then, then it got lost in limbo. Yeah. And then through basically suing the studios in the California Supreme Court, got one of them to admit that they owned the rights. Now, we can't blame Smokey and the Bandit or Sorcerer for that timing, but you want to know my favorite bit of we went up against Star Wars, oh god, why did we do that? Yes. Um, The same day that Force Awakens came out, Alvin and the Chipmunks 4, (laughs) the road ship, came out. Aspire to the level of audacity for the Fox executives who decided that. Because I remember that everything fled. Everything either moved to November or moved to January. We had good movies coming out in January, the year after Force Awakens, because no one wanted to go there except for one brave person at Fox who said, yes, Alvin and the Chipmunks 4 can bet can and survive going up against Star Wars. And you know what? I can almost see the reasoning of this is for little kids. They don't know anything about Star Wars. 
we've got this market cornered without realizing that Star Wars fans will absolutely indoctrinate their children <laughs> into Star Wars yes. long before they will sit through an Alvin and Chipmunks movie again. Yes, and even non-Star Wars fans, it's a new trilogy. Just bring if you're if I'm bringing my kid to a movie, I am bringing my kid to Star Wars. One hundred percent. So yes, the cinematic landscape is very different when Smoking the Bandit comes out. Yes. Um, Smoking the Bandit is, um, gosh, it's a good time. <laughs> it really is. Uh, directed by Hal Needham and written by, for some reason, three people. Uh, James Lee Baird, Charles Shire, and Alan Mandel. And I say for some reason because Smoking the Bandit has a very threadbare thin plot. Oh yeah, Burt Reynolds called it the worst script he'd ever read. <laughs> Most of that movie is actually improvised. Right, and I'm guessing not improvised in the way that people think like knocked up is improvised. Uh-huh. But improvised in like we rehearsed it. We played around with it. Uh-huh. But yeah, um so Smokey and the Bandit is about Smokey. Mm-hmm. Played by Burt Reynolds. No. Who- Bandit. Uh, Burt Reynolds plays Bandit. Sorry, the Bandit. He, they call him the Bandit. Yes. Smokey is Jackie Gleason. I apologize. Um, who is hired to run a not so much moonshine, but illegal beer. Coors. This right, entire Coors. movie is about out a about eight eighty thousand dollars of high value Coors. <laughs> Coors. That uh, is something that has not survived. <laughs> well, again, this is the outgrowth of the moonshine genre. Because mm-hmm. in the 70s, there was a subgenre of B-budget movies and genre films just about moonshine running. And like, it should be clear, it should be stated that, yes, at the time this movie was uh, came out, it was actually illegal to have cores in like Georgia. Like they, yeah. their uh, license was regional, so like it was actually illegal to transport cores over to where they're transporting it to. Like the movie makes sense in the time that it's set. It just is going to fly by anyone who doesn't know that historical context. It is going to be very confusing. Yeah, no, um, Moonshine. Uh, there's a movie called Moonshine County Express. That's also worth of watch. That's also a grand old time. It's no Smokey and the Bandit, but a few movies are. Indeed. Um, but <laughs> they're hired um, to run 400 cases of Coors from Texarkana to Atlanta in 28 hours. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, much like in uh, White Lightning, Bandit is running what's called Blocker. And his good friend Jerry Reed, who plays Cletus, the snowman, is actually driving the car, and he has just an adorable basset hound. Mm-hmm. That's a great basset hound. It's a wonderful basset hound. Right up there with Columbo's basset hound. And essentially what a blocker does is he rides in front or in behind the actual cargo to block the, the fuzz. Yeah, he and to make sure it has a way. Right. He's the decoy. Mm-hmm. 
And along the way, he picks up uh, Carrie, Sally Field's character, who goes by Frog. And I never quite grasped. No, no one does. Again. (laughs) And Jackie Gleason, the great Jackie Gleason, plays Sheriff Buford T. Justice, referred to as Smokey the Bear. He's never really referred to as Smokey Bear. They call him a Smokey because that's what uh, troopers are called. Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's kind of referred to Smokey in the in the movie's excellent theme song, right. but not in the like the dialogue. Right. He's Buford T. Justice, a grade A asshole and racist and racist bigot of all stripes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, it's just Bandit racing to uh, Atlanta as Justice goes after because Sally Field Carey refuses to marry his son. Mm-hmm. Which you get the sense is she's being forced to anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is not like a. This was not going to be a good marriage, and I don't think the son was particularly invested in it either. Right. Um, fun fact: um, the great Mac uh, Michael Mann has a small part in Smoking the Bandit. Oh, he's one of the deputies. Oh, that's neat. That's <laughs> neat. I missed him. <laughs> Michael Mann, star of Milky and the Bandit. <laughs> it's like um, uh, I'm forget- uh, Kroll. It has it just has Liam Neeson in the back in uh, the background as <laughs> the, the ensemble. Right. He's just and you keep it, and he still looks like Liam Neeson. He's not. Uh, and so you keep expecting him to do something, and you realize, oh, wait, no, this is baby Liam Neeson. He's just here. So, Smokey and the Bandit, what's interesting is, okay, Bupati Justice is a dangerous character. Mm-hmm. In a sense that if you do it wrong, you've, been, you've made people go, oh, I love Bupati Justice. But Gleason plays him with enough bluster and just absolute idiocy that at no point are you ever going like man that's my kind of guy so much as yeah i got an uncle like him he's an ass too Mm -hmm. i was never honestly i was never it took me a while to come up on around to justice i think partly just because after uh white lightning i was expecting a more not nuanced but more intimidating figure right well because go ahead the yeah, the thing to understand about this isn't like the running man or the fugitive. This isn't like an intense uh pursuit chase movie. This is a Looney Tune. This is Wiley <laughs> Coyote. Uh that the that that is like that's and that's not a knock on it. You just no. need to walk into it ex- understanding that you were walking into a Sylvester and Tweety uh Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner short. Uh, the way the background just zooms by them as he's not even looking at the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if if drive people driving really fast, not looking at the road, makes you nervous. You should not be watching Smokey and the Bandit. You really shouldn't. <laughs> or, or if you can, just dress your shirt. Nothing will happen. Oh yeah, nothing's going to happen. Like, that's the <laughs> same, like. The same thing about seatbelts. Who needs them? One of the things I do love about Smokey and the Bandit is how all the like different people who are on the CB radio chat who mm-hmm. help 
the bandit. <laughs> oh, yes. You get the feeling this is like um, it's like how Indiana Jones just randomly bumps into people who know him right. and want to do him a favor. Like you, you get the sense like there's not like I like there's no like it's not like modern world building and lore and trying to set anything up. It's just like Smokey has had a uh, the Bandit has had a life before this movie, and uh, it pays off. Right. And also, and this has. One of my favorite uh, character introductions of just a man sleeping in the hammock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he, and then uh, that's a very, it's a very good introduction for um, uh, Burt Reynolds' character, the bandit, where uh, he's sleeping in the hammock, and then the guys who want the man who wants him to uh, run the cores and his son show up, and they are such a ridiculous looking pair. Because they are like Vegas uh, cowboys. They are rich, uh, pre- um, ostentatious cowboys. Yeah, they have the, like this pink sort of like um, almost something like Marty McFly would wear in Back to the Future 3. Ah, uh, yes. And so he just sees them and immediately starts laughing before which, they've even pitched him the deal. Which we need to say, um, can, much like Eddie Murphy... Burt Reynolds has an iconic laugh. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, just like Eddie Murphy, like, the laugh is so beautiful because it is not just so distinctive, but also, like, it's like this high pitch, almost carefree of, like, <laughs> what, what? I can't even do it. But it's yeah, like, <laughs> Yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a not, it's not uh, disconcerting, but it is kind of funny coming out of Burt Reynolds. Like you do not, it is not the laugh that you expect from that man. Right. You expect something more like a tired uh, Harrison Ford laugh. Right. Just... Um, the man who hires Bandit, uh, Enos, Big Enos, and Little Enos. Big Enos is Pat McCormick, yes. but Little Enos. Paul Williams, who is a uh, Rainbow Connection. Oh. And nice. uh, many other Very Muppet nice. songs. Good, good, good. Good for him. Good for him. Glad <laughs> this was not his sole contribution to cinema. That would, be, <laughs> that would be disappointing. That 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 would just not be something you want to talk about. <laughs> that would not be something you wanted to be leaving on your gravestone? No, like... like I was in smoke. I was in. I was a major character in Smoking the Bandit. Oh, really? Which one? <laughs> Little don't worry about it. <laughs> D- don't worry about it. Just, just trust me on this one. Uh, uh, should be noted by the way, Rainbow Connection is Paul Williams and Kenneth Asher. But Paul Williams wrote a lot of uh, Muppet songs. Hmm. Um, but back to Smokey and that glorious bastard hound. <laughs> that is a fantastic car as well. Fantastic car, the Trans Am, but also like the chemistry between Reynolds and Field, and also just a reminder, like because Sally Field sort of has a reputation now, kind of like Michelle Williams, she'll do a certain type of movie. Mm-hmm. But she's like the Queen of Criers, right? But like she's just a, she's playing a, a random woman, and is a good, it's a good fun relationship. Not only that, but also like the song they play when they consummate the relationship. <laughs> it is a, uh, it's 
and I mean this with all the love in my heart, it is a very Carrie Fisher character. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. Honestly, swap Carrie, uh, swap Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford with Burt Reynolds and Sally Fields, and you still get pretty much the same effect. <laughs> uh, though I think Harrison Ford would probably make a poorer Smokey than Burt Reynolds uh, Han. Uh, you know what? I think you're right. As much as I love Harrison Ford, I don't know if Smokey's in his wheelhouse. It does require so like because Burt Reynolds has a very like people forget. He is incredibly charismatic. Mm-hmm. Like on paper, Burt Reynolds and I'm uh, sorry, uh, the Bandit and Han Solo are the same kind of character, but in actual execution and performance, they fall into very different uh, styles. Right, but and also like to such an extent, I can understand why why Gator McCluxy, Cluxy, Cluxy. I can't say it all of a sudden. <laughs> I can say it offline, but once I get on, it's like, Whoa. but I can understand why it would be sort of like disconcerting to you. I shouldn't say just going to be like almost sort of like jarring because it has the Bob Reynolds charm, but it's not the easygoing, carefree type of character he normally plays. It is much more of a darker, moodier, contemplative character. It's like, um, Burt Reynolds, I don't know, like, he, Burt Reynolds is kind of, like, a more modern equivalent, I think, would be, uh, like, to the same kind of character, uh, actor would be, I think, uh, Will Smith. Oh, that's like, a good one, yeah. Because, like, like, you got, like, because, like, Will Smith is very good at, like, he's he's a good actor all around, but you're so used to be him being charming and smooth and cool that when he does something like iRobot or Suicide Squad, you're just immediately kind of jarred. Right, or when he shows up in The Devil in that one movie with the, uh... He played uh, the a Devil. Winter's Tale. A Winter's Tale, Tale yeah. amazing, and I will hear nothing about that. That is the biggest, most glorious disaster of our day. <laughs> you know what? It's It's so... Goofy. I just wish it was more entertaining. If that makes any sense. I I find it so goofy. I find it goofy enough to be entertaining. Unlike the follow up of Collateral Beauty, which we I agree. talked about. I agree. I I would prefer the movie with the gazebo that cures cancer to Collateral Beauty. <laughs> oh yes. If only because <laughs> and the magic gazebo. Yeah, the magic gazebo. <laughs> but we've gotten away from Smokey and the Bandit. We keep doing that. It's okay. It's just such a good. It's a good but simple film. So there's uh, there's a lot to talk about in like a shooting the shit kind of way, but not a lot to like analyze and discuss about it. Well, okay. So I I want, I, I paired these two movies together simply because again the anti-authoritarianism sentiment in each movie. Oh yeah. And in Smoking the Bandit, it's almost like a jovial, be ungovernable type. Oh yeah, like there's a wonderful scene where um, Bandit is. Um, and this is where I think the theme song come comes in most strongly. I forget if there's some other times they play it. Cause, they play it constantly. <laughs> yes, but like this is the part where they like they play it unbroken, and I think they might even loop it. Where, but he uh, he comes upon a semi truck convoy and just like, hey, got some cops following me. Mind helping me out? And like, sure. <laughs> Don't ask him what he's hauling. <laughs> like, 
everyone's all these cheer all these truckers are just cheerfully helping him evade the police because it's the bandit and that's what you do and screw the police right well and also like Buford Justice is so thoroughly despicable like even other cops don't like him oh yes and it's like the sentiment is is 100% feminally anti-cop but at the same time at one point there is a black cop who Mm -hmm. Justice is like he didn't sound black on the radio yeah, and and remarks to his son, "What is the world coming to?" And you're like, "Okay, right." And the black cop over here, and even has a look of like a motherfucker. By mm-hmm. my <laughs> the black cop, the he's the sheriff, and he's great. He is uh, for what he's not in the film for long because he, he's just sort of like a sheriff on part on part of the long route. Uh, the right, he has the exasperation of dealing with white cops and white people enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he um, is very good with what time he has. Right. Oh, and also, I should mention, the thing that also binds these two is the Confederate flag. It is shown briefly in Smoking the Bandit. Mm-hmm. I believe it's on the license plate of the Trans Am? I think so, yeah. And in... White Lightning, he talks about it in order to get into the good gracious of um, Skeeter. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe it's Skeeter, I could be wrong. But he tries to get in good with him. And you can't tell if he's telling the truth or if he's just making it up. But yeah. the story he's telling is very much the notion of how the Confederates normally see themselves as the rebels with the lost cause. Mm-hmm. And that is part of the thing that is intertwined in these movies. And they tr- in White Lightning, they wrestle with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Smokey and the Bandit is just the symbol is there, but they don't allude to it. Yeah, it's more just um, location setting. It's location set. It's used as because it's again 1977. Uh, 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Of, that is something that we should uh, address and acknowledge. If you're going to be watching these films, they're 1970s Hollywood films. You're going 1970s to Hollywood set movies in the South. set in the deep, deep South. Deep South, yeah. You're going to be uh, like Gulf Coast. You're going to and like you're going to be encountering some stuff, some from Burt Reynolds characters and some from the villains, but like a, in general. There's going. There's some stuff that has not aged well. Like nothing's. It's not hasn't aged like the Dumbo Crows. Nothing <laughs> that bad. But there's going to be some moments that make you wince or take you back. And right. it's entirely fine if that's not for you. Um, I will say with White Lightning, I did love the table of the college kids. The conversation they had. I was like, it's amazing how that conversation is still going on with college kids. Oh yes. <laughs> I was like. That one was like. (laughs) Um, But also, like, again, I think White Lightning tries to wrestle with that, and Mm they do both directly and indirectly. Whereas it uses it more as set decoration, as it's still very much fu copper. Yes, yes, and that's the kind of film White Lightning is like. 
for better or for worse, it would feel weird. It would feel out of place for Smokey and the Bandits to try to wrestle with anything. Right. Like that's like it's not this. It was envisioned from the ground up as a B movie. It's not like you can. There's an argument for whether or not it's a good thing for it, but like it is not the film that is designed to do that. And also, just so people understand, um, this new uh, notion of sequels is not new. There were three Smokey and the Bandits for some reason. Four, if you count, uh, actually seven, if you count the four made-for-TV movies. Oh well, seven, yes, because it used to do that too. Make TV, <laughs> made-for-TV movie sequels. I think they're actually remakes. Like a new actor is the Bandits. Is, is from my understanding, like they adapted the original th- the uh, three movies for TV and threw in a fourth movie. <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the song, by the way, for Smoking the Bandits, called "Eastbound and Down" by Jerry Reed. Eastbound and down. The the boy there the boys in Atlanta are thirsty. There's beer in Texarkana. Um, like I'm forgetting the lyric now. I thought I had it, and then I lost it when I started singing it. It's okay. It happens. <laughs> um, also, um, CB radio plays a massive part in Smoking the Bandit. And this oh, is yeah. also because um, in the late 70s, there was a massive fad uh, in which people got CB radios because, you know, it's an era before cell phones. Uh-huh. And it, it reaches longer than a walkie-talkie. You see it even in Stranger Things. God help mm-hmm. me. I feel like there's probably a strange, uh, a reference to smoking the bandit in Stranger Things, but I'm blanking off if there actually is one. If I ever saw more than one season of it, I probably know. Fair. I like Stranger Things. It's also one of the things, kind of like 24, where like after I watch a season of it, I have no need to ever revisit again. I mean, that's fair enough. Yeah. We are not. This is not a Stranger Things podcast, so I'm going to leave that there. <laughs> the uh, the ending is interesting. <laughs> it, like I like part of the ending. I like them. So what happens is they get to they get to um, Atlanta a little bit early, but they make it, it so that they get paid. And then um, Little Enos offers them double or nothing to run to Boston and back to bring his him and his dad clam chowder. <laughs> and Burt Reynolds, the bandit, takes it. He, uh, they hop in Big Enos's Cadillac, leaving the Trans Am behind, and um, drive off uh, right as Smokey, as uh, Justice, pulls in. And uh, speaking to what we uh, were just, what you were just talking about, Jeremiah, there is conveniently a CB radio in the Cadillac. <laughs> and uh, already, even though this was not like meant for a uh, bootlegging uh, Cadillac, it was just a Cadillac. I think and, maybe uh, they just took it out of the police car, which is, a we- I don't think you can do that. Maybe you can. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, in the 70s, maybe it was more detachable. Right. Um, but they go off, and then, um, and so the sheriff's, uh, Justice's car has just been beaten down to hell. He's gone off, he's gone off road in it. They, they, uh, set a trap that ripped the top off of it. It is just falling apart to a cartoonish degree. And it should be noted that throughout this entire movie, 
Justice has no idea what Bandit looks like. (laughs) Until the very end of the movie, he does not see Burt Reynolds. He sees him once, but he doesn't know he's the Bandit. Yes, I, I should have clarified. So there's a few times where they either like, like there's one scene where they're sitting next to each other at a diner, and that's the gag. And then there's other scenes where he, like, there's a scene where he, yeah, arrests the police captain, thinking that that's the bandit. Like he just keeps, uh, and so, at, but at the end, there is a weird moment of respect from Bandit towards Justice. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's because Bandit has not actually spent any time with Justice and has only actually, and aside from that one diner scene, and so has just seen the guy chasing him constantly. Right. It's like, because, like, knowing the character, this is a weird moment of, of respect towards him. Well, but if you just take his actions without his personality, then, eh, fair enough, I guess. It's, well, you mentioned Looney Tunes. And it is that sort of weird thing of like the coyote and the roadrunner do have a weird respect for each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. like it's one of the things where like the movie's almost going, look, the bandit is always going to be chased by a smoky. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're doing what you're doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. Still F you. <laughs> uh-huh. And, it, and then the movie ends. And uh, with the perfect cartooniness of uh, the share of uh, Justice giving chase, while his car literally falls apart as he drives, losing a tire in the process, and his <laughs> son chases after him. Daddy, wait for me. Uh huh. Which, by the way, his son tags along because she—he uh, he is the one who Sally Phillips Carey was going to marry, and he spends most of his time not in uniform but in a tuxedo. Oh, yes. And not particularly distraught. No. And it's also one of the things where the best part about Gleason's character are the insults he has for his son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. This Outside is true. of the ones that I think maybe go too far. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, 77. 77. In mind. Not only that, but Jackie Gleason comes from an era of 50s television comedy. Yeah, yeah, he, he that he was the the, the honeymooners, right? Right, the, right. he's the creative of the honeymooners, Atlas. right? Yeah, he was that guy. Yeah, so sort of like the the notion of violence is more cartoony than in his, in his world. Mm-hmm. It's fairly cartoony in this world as well. Well, no, I mean, it just means like house age. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Like the I'm when we get home, I'm gonna punch your mother in the mouth because he's mad at the kid. Uh-huh. But he blames her for having the kid. Yes. That is uh that is the seventies. <laughs> um yeah, not everything ages well. No. Uh but I enjoy smoking the bandit. I've seen him multiple times. I I don't know why I have a bit of a more I just like white lighting a little bit more. Even I though like, I don't love everything about it. White Lightning has more meat on its bones. It really does. <laughs> I think of the two, I enjoy watching Smokey and the Bandit more. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would actually, like, if I saw it in a store, I think I would snag, like, a Blu-ray of this one. Right. But I don't... 
but I acknowledge that like White Lightning has themes. It has more something. It, I'm not not to say that Smoking the Bandit has nothing, but they're lighter and they're. It, it, it's salad dressing compared to marinade. So there are basically two types of car chase movies in the 70s. Um, so Ron Howard's directorial debut is a Roger Corman movie called Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto is about Ron Howard and his fiance announcing to his fi- to her fian- his fiance's family that they're getting married. They're wealthy, he is not. They say no, the parents... And the kids say, well, F you, we're going to Vegas to get married, steal their car, and then everyone is chasing them because he's announced anyone who stops them will get a reward. And that's Grand Theft Auto. And that's also Smoking the Bandit to some degree. (laughs) It's like, there are movies in which the entire movie is an excuse for a car chase. Mm -hmm. And then you have movies like, um, well, White Lightning, in which there's a car chase movie, but there's also like themes and messaging going on around the car chase. Yes. The car chase is what gets you into the theater, the while the themes and everything else are what they're trying to feed you. Mm-hmm. I was I think Yeah, because like Smokey and the Bandit feels like the wedding aspect got added in because they realized, wait. If he gets cut, if like they're chasing him for the cores, then that makes him a bad bootlegger. We can't have him be a bad bootlegger. Someone's we got to have something completely unrelated and random happen that is completely unrelated to the plot at the start of the movie. It's like, like the plot at the start of the movie and at the end of the movie is very different from the plot in the middle of the movie. Right, and also like she really does just pop up. Yes. <laughs> He just jumps in the car, basically. <laughs> um, I should make a correction about White Lightning. Um, the man he starts working for, the uh, Jerry uh, Reed of that movie, is Bo Hopkins, who plays Rebel Roy. Gotcha. Not hey. Steadman. I apologize. Um, but it is... I if Milligan, Moonshine in the 70s, it's like... Moonshine County Express. Um, also, like even in the fifties and the sixties, I think John John Ford made a movie about moonshine. Robert Mitchum's in a movie called Thunder Road about moonshining. Like, there's an entire subgenre of movies that span at least two or three decades <laughs> dealing with moonshine. Thunder it's sort of an off an offspurt of prohibition. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Thunder Road sounds is what happens when you mash up the worst Mad Max movie with the best Mad Max movie. <laughs> Pretty much. And it's Robert frickin' Mitchum. <laughs> um, Alright, so... Final thoughts on Smoking the Bandit or White Lightning? Um, definitely watch Smoking the Bandit if you're in the mood for a good, good fun time that's just kind of brainless... Uh, White Lightning, not bad, but I don't know that you need to watch it. That's fair. Uh, I'm a little bit of, I'm, I don't know. I'd own both of these probably. But I also really love Burt Reynolds, I've discovered. I enjoy Burt Reynolds, he's just so not 
He doesn't even look like himself in White Lightning. <laughs> like, not just the mustache, like the face, the hair. He does not look like himself. If you ever get a chance, Malone is a great Bill Reynolds movie. Good to know. It's not, it's not great, but it's great. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I know that distinction well. <laughs> all right, that's all the time we have. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, see you again next time when Thad and Kara will be here. Um, Molly, say goodbye. Bye. Have a good one, everyone.